Welcome back everybody. Before we get in today's show, I just want to say if you're watching on YouTube and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Change that red button to a gray button. Hit that little bell icon. You'll get notified every time we post a new video. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or any other podcast source, go ahead and follow us on there. We get to see a little more about you and you get notified each time we post a new episode. We also have social media. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have Patreon. You know, the social media where you give us money. <laughs> Other than that, we also have our hotline. If you have a fun story about seeing a ghost, seeing a Bigfoot, sleeping with a ghost, sleeping with a Bigfoot, call us, text us, tell us your story, and if you want, we might even tell your story here live on air. Strap on in. Enjoy the show. We got a fun one for you this week. Yeah, we do, guys. Thank you so much. Everybody. Welcome back to the Ask Cat Spirit Hour. We hope you're well. We're doing well. It's me, the Colonel, my son Caleb. I missed that last week. I think I missed it the week before too, but we've got little name tags. So we hope you're well, uh, having a good week. Caleb, how was your week? Good. Uh, not a whole lot's happened since last episode. Um, I think I don't exist on this plane of existence anymore because I've tried to see an apartment four times and it just <laughs> won't happen. That's just apartment shopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, if, it's a shame we can't stay up here on the mothership because if we could... It would probably be cheaper. They'd double our rent if we do that. Yeah, so. <laughs> we'd have to sleep on the desk. Yeah. Plus, with the sign getting stolen, if you guys don't know, that's about two weeks ago our sign got stolen. It's back now. It, it is. It's just not the most safe spaceship to work on. Well, I'm glad everybody's doing well. We're talking about things. Speaking of our sign getting stolen, we are talking about a theft today. Uh, as listeners at home might know, the Ford Explorers, the loyal Ford Explorers may know, uh, we like to talk about a little bit of everything, and while UFOs and the CIA and conspiracies come up a lot, uh, that doesn't mean that that's all that we would necessarily want to talk about. No. We want to talk about cults and bank jobs and all kinds of fun stuff, too. And if you guys recall, we had an episode, oh, a couple months ago, about Shergar the horse. Mm -hmm. Shergar was a, a race horse that was stolen by the IRA, um, and s some believe that Gaddafi maybe had him. Uh, so this is kind of a similar story-ish. So yeah. we're talking about an English thing getting stolen and probably ending up in the Middle East. Uh, today we're talking about the infamous DB5, the Aston Martin DB5 that James Bond drives. When you think of the Bond car, you think of the, we'll have it behind us here, but you think of the small silver car with all the gizmos on it. That's the car we're talking about. That's the literal car we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And that's because that car was stolen in 1997 and hasn't been seen since. And it's one of the most valuable and uh, arguably probably the most important movie car next to the Batmobile yeah. ever made. You know what? what I mean, when, let's think about that. What we got probably Batmobile, the Echo One, Echo One. Yeah. The Ghostbusters truck, the I'd say one of the Jurassic Park vehicles, probably. But the rest of those, you know, certain movie cars, you see them and you just recognize them. And that's definitely one of them. It's like uh, Herbie, the Beetle. Yeah. You know? Kit just, from Knight Rider. Yeah, it's just such a it's such an influential vehicle. Um, and this was the actual screen-used car as well. And, you know, it had gizmos and stuff installed on it. So it was about as unique of a DB5 as you could find. Yeah. Um, it was interesting enough. It was actually a prototype to the... DB5? Yeah, well, because this is often the case uh, when a movie is 
coming out, especially a large movie with a big budget. So this is the third James Bond movie. Yep, um, third he, James Bond movie ever. Yeah, in the books he drove a DB3. So that's, uh, if this is the DB5, the DB3 is a few iterations previous to that, but the same car. But that was replaced in the books, and then eventually that car needed to be replaced as well, so they needed something more modern. Yes. And Essen is a, a British car company, you know, and at the time in the 60s they were definitely, probably them and Jag were the nicest of the luxury cars that were being made in the UK and some of the nicest in the world. So it made sense that they'd want to use one, which meant a lot of times that they had to use a prototype because if it was before it was actually, uh, you know, on the showroom floor, you want it to be in the movie so that people will go buy the car. Yes. Well, that means that it's got to be in the movie before the car's available. Yeah, and the movie, of course, we're speaking of is Goldfinger, the yeah. third, the 1964, third installment of James Bond. Yep, Sean Connery's third, third go. And uh, the car played an influential role. Plus, it was the biggest selling toy of 1964. Yeah. Was the toy version of the DB5. Well, that's why it was so important to have it in the movie, you mm -hmm. know? Because, again, this is pre-Batman, you know? Well, yeah. pre-on-TV Batman. It's the coolest car around. This car has guns on. It's got an ejector seat. I mean, it was so neat that uh, the same type of car was featured, a DB5 driven by a character just named JB in Cannonball Run. You yes. know, it's cuz it's when you think about wacky races or you granted the Cannonball was real and we'll probably do an episode on that at some point cuz it was such a fun race. But, you know, it's a it's very much a it was a very important car. Like if we go and we look at like the other cars that have been featured in James Bond movies, they all go on to be important cars to everybody, including other Aston Martins. I mean, look at the Lotus Esprit. That car was used before it was available and it basically made that car and that car company's success by featuring it in mm -hmm. the movie so yeah i think that they knew aston knew that they i mean being james bond's car is like maybe the most important thing a single it was considered england's most sophisticated car well yeah absolutely and the company was actually initially reluctant but was finally convinced to make the product placement deal they're like i don't know it's going to be a lot of work. We don't have the car done. They needed two cars well, and specifically. Aston's, and also Aston's not an uh, automobile house in the way that like Ford was at the time. You know, they're a significantly smaller operation. Yes. They make significantly higher end vehicles. It takes a lot longer to make those cars. And when you're talking about making a car to give to a movie set, I shared this in Discovery, but uh, last week I talked about how I've been a member of Something Awful for basically its entire existence. Mm -hmm. Well, you see a lot of cool things uh, in <laughs> as a, a web denizen there, and one of the things that I saw is there's a prominent car restorer years ago. He gave one of his cars to the production for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. And you sign a, a damage waiver, and they asked if they could paint it like a police car, and he said, yeah, sure, no problem, but don't do anything else to it. And they signed a waiver, said they wouldn't, Gets a call, lo and behold, one morning, hey, uh, we told your car and we'd like to buy it out. If you watch The Crystal Skull, which you shouldn't because it's a terrible Indiana Jones movie, it's a terrible movie, but there's a scene where Shia LaBeouf and Indy are on a motorcycle mm -hmm. and they're being chased by police cars. I think it's on a college campus somewhere. Yeah. And one of those police cars rolls. That's his car. So... I could see why they would be apprehensive about this. Because, you know, Aston, it's interesting to say just flat out that Aston was considered to be the best English car. Because I think, like, the DB5. Because I think the E-Type would have something to say about that. Yeah. I mean, that you want to talk about the... Austin, think about Austin Powers. That's what he drove, and that's why he drives one. Yeah, because he didn't, because Bond didn't. You know. Yeah. There are. There's a flip side to that coin, and it's definitely Jaguar. That being said, Aston won this round. Yeah. Uh, to talk more about the things that got put into the car before the movie was built, like I said, there were two DB5s that were sent to the production. 
one of them was just stock, and the other one they put all the gadgets into. And all these gadgets were real gadgets, which yeah. is super cool. And so in the script, uh, the car only had a smoke screen. It only had a button where smoke would come out the back so he could disappear. But they sat down, and every crew member started suggesting what gadget they'd like to well, see on the car. Well, how could you not? You oh, know? yeah. Like, we talked about before, you know, when we were talking about Little Bastard, if you guys listen to that podcast, another great car story. When... Uh, Dean took his car to George Barris. Barris had all kinds of ideas, and G- Dean was like, no, I just kind of want, like, some stripes and some numbers. You know? Every car guy is naturally going to be like, oh, yeah, what can we do? And if you're being told you can put ejector seats in a car and stuff, yeah. we could sit here for an hour and record a podcast of just ideas for Bond car. Oh, things, definitely. You know? Um, so, one of the crew members suggested a revolving license plate because he had been getting so many parking tickets. <laughs> While working at the studio? Necessity's the mother of invention, right? Um, that crew member's stepson suggested the ejector seat because he saw it on TV, <laughs> which I think is really funny. Uh, it's a good person to listen to, too. Like, if you were, you know, if you were doing something like that, I would turn to kids. I'd be like, what, you know, hell, what's up, fellow kids? What would you like to see in a, a car? What's exciting to you? Yeah. Listen to me saying that. I couldn't even do it. I sound like such a fucking square. Um, there was a gadget that was near the lights, uh, the taillights, that would drop sharp nails. But that then got replaced to be the oil dispensers because the producers were like, no, I think viewers could actually honestly do that. And we don't want to get involved in lawsuits where people are like, hey, my car got fucked on the highway because someone dropped nails from their taillights and they saw it from your movie. Well, there's a, there's a bulletproof, uh, shield Mm -hmm. in the back, not to jump ahead on you listing the cool features, but that's one of the ones that sticks out to me that would be a really useful road rage invention now. I'm surprised a lot of the guys that don't have gun racks don't just have like bulletproof glass for that window. Yeah. (laughs) Um, let's see another one. Uh, so... Ken Adams, the production designer, and engineer John Steers overhauled the prototype, um, and it took six weeks to install all of them. It has, like you said, the ejector seat, we have the shield, we have the oil dispenser, we have the smoke screen, and once they started doing it... So the machine guns weren't there yet. Oh, okay. They didn't install the machine guns yet because um, there's a scene... In the movie where the DB5 crashes twice, uh, the second take is actually what's used in the film. It's when it drives through the fake wall. Okay. And it was also in the trailer. But they filmed that before uh, the wheel-destroying spikes, the Ben-Hur-style scythes coming out of the hubs, were installed, and uh, the guns were installed. Okay. Because they were afraid with the guns and the ejector seat, when they crashed through that wall, it kept, like, they disabled the ejector seat, and they didn't have the guns because they were afraid of, one, the guns blowing up, and two, the ejector seat accidentally going off and launching the driver out. Yeah, was just, well, that's what I was just thinking is, you think you could make a cheap ejector seat if you just put an airbag under your seat? Because I've sat, I mean, we've all seen videos of it, but I've also been a, a dumbass at a auto shop with friends, uh, and I've sat on, a, a like, an electric airbag before and had it turned on like 
while I was sitting on it. It blows you in the air quite a distance. Yeah. You know, I mean, it feels that way. I'm sure it's not really oh, yeah. that far. But that would be a hilarious prank not to do at home. S- switch the wires, throw it under the seat so that when somebody gets in a car accident, it shoots them through the sunroof. There was another car without gadgets that was created, like I said. But they eventually added the gadgets to it after the movie was released. Yeah, we'll see. For and, press purposes. Yeah, that when we were researching to find out where this car was, it was we kept looking to see because... What we were led to believe is that the car with all the props is the one that's gone missing. It's the one that was stolen. And that's because it's true. But because they've added them to the second car, afterwards the second movie car, that car has been sold in uh, 2010. It sold at auction for a couple million dollars. Um, And I was reading the description. It was like, oh, this is the, you know, screen used car with all the gizmos. And I was like, no, it isn't. That car's missing. This is like, and it's not, it's, so there's a chassis number to go by um, yes would you like to tell them the chassis number uh it's dp slash 216 dash one this one was 216 slash two yes so it's the second chassis body so that's the way you can tell uh it happened with uh quentin tarantino's car when it got stolen the one from pulp fiction mm-hmm. they had to do a vin uh inspection to find it because they had swapped the people who had stolen it had at a chop shop had switched the vins uh, which is a really common and easy thing to do, like the dash VIN, that little metal plaque that's up there. Yeah. That's why you just take it off the engine. Um, the second one that was later retrofitted with the gadgets is the one that appears in Thunderball. Yeah. The what is that fifth? Yes. Movie. Yep. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a fifth movie. Um, there's some other really. That's f- also the car that's in Cannibal Run. Cannibal Run. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's some other fun things while we were doing Discovery that I found just about the practicality of some of the stuff they did on the movie that I thought was a fun thing. Um, when the book was written in 1959, lasers just didn't exist. <laughs> and uh, in the book, Goldfinger uses a circular saw to try to kill Bond. Yeah, on the table. Yeah. The like very famous where spy th- trope where he's cutting his dick off first because <laughs> he's Bond, you know? Um, but when the filmmakers were writing the movie, lasers were like a new thing that were coming out. And they were like, put one on a shark and cut his dick off with the other one, and we're going laser crazy. They're like, we need this movie to feel fresher. And so they replaced the circular saw with a laser. And uh, they also had it be Goldfinger's weapon of choice. And he actually, uh, Ken Adams got two Harvard scientists to help him design not only the laser table, but also the water reactor in Mr. No. Oh, interesting. Um,. And he's like, I want it to be, like, something real. And the laser beam itself was an optical effect added in post-production. But the flame uh, that cuts through the table as they're going through was a guy behind the table with a... Like with a torch? Torch. Just <laughs> cutting the table in half. What a, what a crappy... Like, there's a lot of dangerous stunts, but that one had to have a short line of guys that were like, ah, fine, I'll do it, I guess. How much does it pay? <laughs> yeah, it's a technician, Burt Luxford. He was heating the metal with a blowtorch from underneath the table. All right, for this next shot, Bert, get under the table. Here's your dick torch. <laughs> Stop, man, get in here. And then uh, to go with other vehicles in the movie as well, before we talk about the great heist that was pulled off. Yeah. Um, we have Goldfinger's Lockheed Jetstar plane. Yeah. Um, so on the right side, or on the left side of the plane, it's gold, like we see in the movie. But on the right side of the plane... It's painted to be the presidential plane that crashes at the end of the movie. Oh, that's fantastic. They just had one plane. Yeah. And one half of it was gold, and the <laughs> other half was painted to be a presidential plane. 
So they didn't have to buy two planes? You know, I miss... I feel like there's an entire romantic era of Hollywood that'll never return because it's all guys like Corridor Digital in their mm. basements doing it in Unreal Engine or yeah. whatever. Because that's so clever, man. How fun is that? You know, like, we don't have the money for two planes. Nowadays, it'd be like, well, I'll just reskin the model and we'll, you know, do another render. But they were like, well, it's got to be both planes. So <laughs> I think that's great. Um, Ford actually donated a bunch of cars to the movie in yeah. hopes to get a good deal, like a product placement deal. Um, they provided the Mustang that Tilly Matterson drives. Yeah. Um, a Ford County Squire station wagon that uh, transports Bond from the airport to the stud ranch. Was definitely going to be Bond's car. Could you imagine him laying down oil and just like a wood panel family truck. Studebaker. Family wagon. A Ford Thunderbird was driven by Felix Leader. Yeah, Leader. And a Lincoln Continental is the car that odd job kills solo with yeah also that era the 62 to 64 lincoln continental is also the car jfk got shot in is one of the few factory uh convertible four doors and that's because it has suicide doors uh which means that the back doors open up backwards mm -hmm. uh incredible car for screen presence it's also the car that morpheus uh is in in the matrix when he picks up neo um, that's a Lincoln Continental. Mm -hmm. It's just like the most perfect there in Men in Black. It's like the most, we, we were talking about, you know, we are talking about the, the a couple weeks ago we talked about uh, Project Blue Book and the UFOs in Texas. Those guys probably drove Lincoln Continentals. Like, the all-black Continental was a government car to the max, and it's like the most mysterious-looking car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're um, also just so fucking cool-looking. Another really cool car in the movie is... Uh, the yellow Rolls Royce yeah. that Goldfinger has with the license plate AU1. AU, of course, being the chemical name for gold. Yeah, yeah. It'd be funnier if it was uwu one. Um, and then Goldfinger, uwu one. <laughs> there's also, um... Well, I guess we'll just wait for that to finish. Well, fine. The... You guys think that's a fire truck? It's not. That's what space elephants sound like. You get used to it. But it's weird. They're like the hyperspace whales from Rebels. Or was that Clone Wars? That was Rebels. Okay. As you were. And then, uh... It... The Lincoln Continental actually got destroyed. And they took the engine out of it. Crushed it. And then cut the crushed car in half. Because they had to put it in a Ford Falcon Ranchero. And it was, the Lincoln Continental is so heavy of a car that it could only support half of the crushed car oh, that's minus funny. the engine. In a Ranchero? In a Ranchero. Well, but bear in mind, you know, a Ranchero, for those uh, listening at home, a Ranchero, or probably at work, let's be honest, a Ranchero is basically an El Camino, if you don't know. So, you yeah. know, it's a ute, it's a truck in the front, and, or sorry, it's a it's a mullet, you know, it's party in the back. Car in the front. Dude, I'm fucking this all up. It's a tiny truck that looks like a car. car in the Everybody front, knows what a fucking back. El Camino is. Everybody knows. A buddy of mine used to have a... Uh, um, the Volkswagen version, which they only made for like two years, and mm -hmm. it's a Golf, except it has a truck bed. Oh, it's amazing. It's the coolest little... We used to go to drive-in movies like that. That's the sickest thing to go to drive-in movies. Throw two banana chairs in the bed. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's amazing. Drinking beers. and You have not enjoyed a movie. You might go to a movie that's got like big plush seating and shit. You've never lived until you've watched a movie in a banana chair. Uh, I almost bought a Dodge Rampage, which was Dodge's version. Yep. 
except I went to go look well, at it. Well, technically, that's Dodger's version of the Subaru Brat. Yeah. But uh, the whole floor of the car was gone. Yeah, <laughs> well, It was yeah. rusted out and just pushed through. Yeah. I was like, oh, I don't think I want to buy that. Well, that's <laughs> what happens when you live in the future. But yeah, so now that we know a little bit about the car, yeah, and like I said, it's got the machine guns, the tire shredders, the smoke screen, uh, the water and oil sprayers, the ejector seat. It's kind of hard for it to go missing. It was a special color. It was charcoal silver. Yeah. And it had uh, the wire wheels and a sunroof that set it apart from like stock models. Absolutely. On top of you know the guns yeah. and stuff, but um. The license plate, yeah, <laughs> super, super recognizable car. Like this is beyond the chassis number being very recognizable, mm -hmm. being the fact that it's a one. Pardon me. Uh, it's you, you, you'd have to go to great lengths not to recognize this car. When you Absolutely, saw it. And, and it's so easy to tell that it's that car. And we only bring all that up because it's about to get stolen, and because it's about to get stolen, we want to explain that it doesn't. Make a lot of sense. Sorry, the autofocus is fucking up. We say all that because it's about to get stolen, and when something gets stolen, you go looking for it. And the fact that it hasn't been found yet uh, is odd because, you know, it's such an incredibly recognizable vehicle. It means that there's an intentionality to it. Yeah, so after the movie, um, the DB5 changes hands quite a bit. Yeah. So, car collector uh, Richard DeLose bought it from Aston Martin for $12,000. And he held on to it until 1986. So we're talking 1966 slash seven to 1986. Uh, then it goes to um, oh man, I'm gonna fuck up his name again. Just try it, Puglisi. Yeah. Okay. Anthony Puglisi. Uh, then it gets um, loose. Sells it to Anthony Puglisi the third. The third. Important character to keep mind of. Yeah, well, so he's like a prolific, for those who don't know, not that we, I guess, expect you to know this, Anthony Puglisi uh, is like a profound Americana collector. Mm -hmm. He's got, well, he's got Indiana Jones's whip, he's got uh, the Wicked Witch of the West's hat, he has Dr. No's hat, uh, he also has, this is by far, I can see you looking at me thinking about it, because I know, it's the weirdest yeah. thing in his collection. He has... Go back and listen to our podcast about Barry Seal and uh, his possible involvement in JFK's assassination. Not to mention the cotton animal we just brought up, but he has Jack Ruby's gun, the gun that he used to kill Lee Harvey Oswald, uh, Barry Seal's good buddy, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the assassin of JFK. But uh, Which is a dark and... That's a weird... It's a weird collection. Oddity collections are one thing, you know, or one thing. Oddities collections are one thing. I understand keeping, like... Uh, snakes in a jar or like bird bones or like a weird old prosthetic leg I don't really understand keeping a murder weapon mm -hmm. because to me it feels like people who own guns like to say that <laughs> Caleb and I are not big gun owners um, people who own them like to say that you know like they have them for this oh fuck I can't remember where it's going I, I'll like I'll just sum it back up with that I just think that, like, the people who own guns, like, they have a tendency to fetishize something that only has one real purpose. Yeah. 
Uh, whether that purpose you say is self-defense or whatever, that's your motivation. The purpose is murder. It's there to murder and maim. That's what it's for. So the idea to like be so enraptured with this piece. Now, as a conspiracy guy, I'm a little envious because it's cool that he has it. It also, as a conspiracy guy, makes me think it's not really the gun. Yeah. That seems like for all of the conspiracies surrounding that day in Dallas, I have a hard time believing that's really the gun. Yeah, I think he got what is being sold as Jack Ruby's gun. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah. like there's so many people that are like, I bought this meteorite. And it's like, nah, you got sold to lava rock. Yeah, that's just obsidian, man. Yeah, just, yeah that's not. This is a piece of Mars. Say, I own a star. No, you own a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. Hate to break it to you. You don't own that star. You didn't pay $25 to own a star. I got a much better one as a gift. Uh, I won't say her name, but... Uh, my partner got me a really cool gift uh, a few years ago when we opened the bar. Uh, we sponsored a cockroach mm-hmm. at the Brooklyn Zoo, and I feel like that's a lot better than like buying a star, you know? Because at least I can go see that little cockroach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, or those scams where you get a plot of land in like Scotland, and it's like you're a lord now, and it's like no, because the U.S. doesn't allow lordships. Yeah, that doesn't. That's a fake title. Yeah. And I say that as a colonel, as an actual colonel, as an actual non-military colonel. I will say that being a lord is a goofy made-up title because they don't recognize it. I can put colonel on my driver's license. I can be colonel. You can't You can't just be a lord. No, you have to LD. <laughs> change your name to lord something. Yeah, it doesn't But then it the makes way. your first name lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Pugliese bought it for $250,000 yeah. in 1986 and stored it in... Um, he had a storage unit in Boca Raton uh, in an airport hangar. And... Dude, it's... Boca Raton is the most perfect place for this car to have been stored. Oh, yeah. Like, such... Because this whole... This is a pretty Florida crime, you know? Stealing a pro... It reminds me of... We haven't done an episode on this because it's pretty well covered. Um, but the largest art unsolved art heist of all time happened mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Or was it Boston? It happened Boston. in Boston. Yeah, Boston. Yeah. Um, and those paintings still haven't shown back up. And that's probably because they're sitting in some shitty Southie apartment or something. Yeah. Uh, I this is This reeks of the same kind of... I don't know, idiocy? Like, what were you going to do with this car once it was stolen? What was your plan? So to me, Florida man plan all the way. That sounds like a Florida guy idea, 100%. Uh, and then it stayed in that storage unit until 1997. And 1997 is the last time it was seen. Yeah, man. So this is this is a harrowing tale. So there are a few stories of the theft, but there's not a lot of witnesses. There are almost no witnesses, in fact. Yeah, roughly none. <laughs> but the story has is the nature of these types of things has probably grown beyond what really happened. But here's um, a take on what happened. So that the next morning, the attendant shows up, sees that the door has been cut open. Um, there's an oil cap for the DB5 which would indicate that they drain the oil from it, which they might do if they were storing it. I would be curious if they didn't drain the oil. I wonder, I've already found a clue. We'll come back to the oil cap in a second, but they leave an oil cap. They find some drag marks, some tire marks, and probably something from some chains or something. So the theory, there's a couple, right? They cut open the door, and in doing so, now this is a heavy, it's not heavily guarded. It's a small airport, but it is guarded. There are cameras, there are guards. It's not a fortress. It's yeah. not Area 51. But it is a place that 
there's some attention. It's sort of like um, an apartment complex at night. Yeah. That level of security. It is an airport, and it is an airport pre nine eleven. Yes. Yeah. So that security is, hasn't cracked down as much. That is important to include. Yeah. And it's a small airport, right? It's basically an airfield versus what you'd think of as an airport. Yeah. So there are more private planes there. There's more things being stored there. So he has a hangar there because that's a great place to put a bunch of expensive cars. So they show up. Car's gone. And it's postulized that they either put it on a truck and drove it out of there, but because nobody saw a truck, the much more exciting theory is that they put it on a cargo plane, like Grand Theft Auto, and Trevor Phillips just flew it the fuck out of there. Which is, I guess, possible, but what immediately comes to mind to me there is, uh, wouldn't the tower know? You know, like, when we were talking about Barry Seal, he keeps coming up, but he's such a fun guy. When we were talking about, and there's multiplicity to his story, when we were talking about uh, Barry, the way that he would sneak back in as a pilot with the drugs on his plane, as he would fly really low next to oil rigs, so they couldn't see him. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, there are obviously ways, he was flying for the CIA all the way back to the 50s, so there are definitely, maybe it was Barry Seal, maybe Barry Seal helped steal his car. Uh, but it, there, while it seems improbable that a plane stole it yeah i wouldn't say that it's completely out of line that a plane stole it but anyway so the car gets stolen there's a we'll get to that stuff when we talk about what we think happened but the cap gets left behind that indicates to me that they went through the car for some reason don't know what that is i guess we'll explore that in a little bit but yeah so they come in they break in they steal the car caleb tell them you know were there witnesses was there anything like that so the only there was a witness and it was the Guy that sits in the guard tower of... The guard. Where, yeah, the guard. Um, of when you drive in and out, like uh, Mike and Better Call Saul. Yeah. Um, and all he said was the only person to enter and leave while he was there that night was a green Range Rover. Uh, but that green Range Rover belonged the to... inconspicuously had a car jammed in the back of it. <laughs> uh, belonged to a guy that also worked at the airfield and was like one of the higher-ups... And so he thought nothing of it. They interviewed that guy. He didn't see anything. So the one guy that was there to watch over the place didn't see anyone enter or exit other than this green Range Rover. Um, they didn't find a part of the fence cut, and there's just a fence between the outside world and this building. But they did say... But they cut a hole in the door. Yes, they cut a hole in the door that lifts up on the side of the hangar. And the big pitfall with that is... Investigators have gone to find out that's pretty thin sheet metal. Yeah, you could go through that with tin snips. Yeah, like, you yeah, could do it's it. It's basically just corrugated metal. They they did it with like a a torch. That yeah. same thing in the movie with cutting the table. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were able to just cut a hole in the torch. Um, the weird thing that sparks interest is they didn't set off an alarm. There was an alarm in the hangar, and they didn't set it off. Yeah, and I don't know how you wouldn't because it, it screams smash and grab, right? Yeah. You know, like, if you're going to cut open the door, how are you not setting off an alarm? Uh, they cut off a padlock with uh, some bolt cutters. This The car was in, like, this metal cage. You can find pictures of it online. I was only able to find them, like, once. But it is in kind of this little metal cage. They cut the padlock of that off, opened up the cage, supposedly put chains on the axles, uh, and dragged it while it was in park still, which... That could have done some serious damage. Uh, yes and no. Here's what I'll say: is that's a, uh, in all likelihood, the car wouldn't like it. But the nice thing about the relationship between rubber tires and asphalt is that 
they are they don't the connection the connective forces of the car against the ground are unlikely to be stronger than the tensile forces of the things you're pulling on mm-hmm. so it won't really do any damage it's going to fuck those tires up it's going to put a flat spot on every one of those tires so you will have to replace the tires and it could depending on how you yanked it out of there it could definitely damage the alignment yeah but these are all things that a decent mechanic could have fixed in a night mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't have done a lot of like structural damage what i think is interesting is it's a pretty small car like it's a really light little car I it just seems like it would have been worth their while to just throw a jack under it and put wheel stands under it and yank it out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had to move more than one. I'm guilty of having, you know, more than one project car. And sometimes you have to move a non-running car to get to another car you want to work on. And in order to do that, you put it on little wheel stands. And you would be amazed. One person can push a car around when it's on those wheel stands. Yeah. 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 Um, the only real evidence they saw was, uh, like you said, the oil cap, a little, like, line of oil going out the thing and marks on the ground from the tires and from what they believe to be chains or cables other than that well and the big hole in yeah, the wall yeah you know you know so uh, the to go back to the oil cap thing now there's like two ways that could be on the ground it could be there because somebody else did it or because they did it the thieves did it yeah and if the thieves remove that cap I, so when you store a vehicle you want to drain all its fluids mm-hmm and sometimes you'll put something else in there to maybe retain, like if you want to, you know, oil or whatever. If it's a, it doesn't matter. There are stabilizers and stuff, fuel stabilizers and shit that you can get so that if you leave a car for a long period of time, you don't want to leave a bunch of fluids in it. So I could see them draining it, I guess, but I could also see it having been drained, and maybe their plan was to drive it out of there, and they popped the hood went to put oil in it we're like okay let's start it realized there was like no way to get into it without really fucking it up and just yanked it out of there yeah it's interesting that they didn't try to take it out in the cage or that i don't know it's there's there are a lot of holes in this which obviously you know there we'll get to that here in a minute about why this car was stolen who stole it was it actually stolen but to me it doesn't feel like a complete story of a theft it doesn't. It seems like speculation or a cover story. Yeah, it feels like somebody made a list of the things they would need to be able to explain if their car got stolen, and that's the list. Because there's just too many weird... Like, why is there a hole in the side of the building, but they made it through the fence just fine? Yeah. Well, that means they didn't come through the fence. It means that they probably either came in a plane, which it would have to be an inside job. It would have to be. It would yeah. have to be. Because the people in the tower... No, and that's a federal crime. You can't land at an airport without registering that you're coming in. That's a, yeah. Unless it's an emergency landing, you can't. You're not allowed to. But also, if it was a cargo plane and it was a planned heist, it's not like uh, cargo plane six uh, authorizing for landing, and it's like, cool, you're here to steal a car? Like, that's not a question they ask. Well, you certainly, but mm. you would be asking why the fuck there's a big belly cargo plane landing in your little tiny airfield. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if that's even long enough strip to support a plane. Now, I'd, the airport, I would imagine, by all accounts, it looks like it would be suitable for that. I just don't know that much about how much runway a large plane like that needs. Mm-hmm. But I would be extremely curious about why that was landing. Yeah, Although we have only explored the idea that it was a plane. Could have been a helicopter. Yeah. Maybe they came in with a Huey and they picked it up. You know, because the tower definitely wouldn't see a double rotor Huey coming in to pick up something. No, it just makes me wonder, like, or the Hueys are the little ones. What's the big double rotored one called? Oh, I don't even remember. Mm, doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, if, if anybody knows in the comments, leave me a little comment. Let me know what those double rotored helicopters are called. Um, 
Yeah, so I I don't know. I have a hard time believing the car got out of there because if it did and it was in a truck, which is the the biggest claim is that it was on a flatbed or like in a box truck, right? Yeah. Where was the box truck? Yeah. And did it leave the tower or did it leave when the guard wasn't there? Did they pay off the guard? Like, it seems very easy for a fraudulent situation because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of protection there. Oh, definitely. And, like, I mean, if you've played GTA Five. <laughs> A big thing in that is stealing cars. It's right there in the name. Yeah. Uh, And they have all these funny little heists where you have a helicopter outfitted with a big, like, magnet from a crane. It does reek of Grand Theft Auto. Like, it feels like a Grand Theft Auto mission. It does. It feels like something we did in Vice City. Definitely. It legitimately does. It feels like you come in with a big cargo helicopter and, yeah. Or a uh, Fast and Furious movie. Dude, it 100% feels like a Fast and Furious movie. Like... It, I could see that endless runway from the Fast and Furious. Yeah. That airplane scene. This is what this reeks of. That's what it feels like. You know, it feels like they, I don't know. It's weird that it was gone. It's weird that it was done in such a precise manner, but seemingly also really sloppy. And it's mm-hmm. weird that there's been nothing that's come up since. Because now I guess it would probably be in our best interest to discuss who might benefit from such a thing, right? Like, if yeah. somebody steals this car, well, because well, we touched on it a little bit earlier, like, if you're going to steal something this high profile, what do you do with it? Because it's not like, you can't take this to Sotheby's, which means you're not going to get the maximum amount for it, mm-hmm. right? You're just not. And if you stole the car and maybe you had, like, a private investor, it would make sense. But beyond that, like, if you were an A-team or something. Yes. So that takes us to the idea that, you know, Maybe it's in the Middle East, <laughs> like where they think Shergar may have gone. Yeah, so there are a couple of theories of where this car ended up. Um, the biggest one, and to us, the least believable one, I believe, is that it did take off in a plane, and the plane got over the Atlantic Ocean, and they just pushed it into the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, that's a wild story, and the idea there would be insurance fraud. Yep. You know, because there's two ways to look at this benefiting somebody. There's, it's either, uh, it was done, and the criminal's intent was to sell the vehicle. Yep. Uh, or they were paid by someone to steal it for some reason, um, or it was insurance fraud, and they were paid to steal the vehicle by the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, now the owner has been pretty outspoken about the fact that he was very connected to the car, and he, yes. I mean, there is some, there, I think there's some credibility to be lended to that because, because. Pugolisi is such a collector of so many odd things. I believe that he uh, probably would never sell the car, but he did need money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Pugolisi, a lot of people theorize that he paid to have this car stolen um, because after it was stolen and investigators couldn't prove that he had anything to do with it, he was paid $4.2 million and a woman who never fully identified herself was like, yeah, I know it's an inside job because Pugolisi owes millions of dollars to a bank that's foreclosing on one of his properties. To which Pugolisi was very outspoken and it was like, well, if I needed the money, why wouldn't I just sell the car? Yeah. But to that same effect, weeks earlier, he said, oh, well... I tried to sell the car, but I realized I just had such a deep connection with the car, I couldn't get rid of it. Right. He loves the car too much. Yes. But I've heard that, man. I have heard that a lot of times. Now, I'm only going to interject. This is purely based. This is anecdotal. But I've dealt with... I once had to sit 
through like a two hour uh, talk with this old man because I wanted to buy a van from him at a fair price that just ended up getting stolen. Uh, yeah, it actually got stolen before I could register it, so there was absolutely nothing I could do about oh. it. Yeah, I bought it on a Friday, and I had to work, and I parked it out in front of my girlfriend's house for two days, and it was gone by Monday, and I couldn't go get it registered. It was, yeah. Anyway, so I had to sit through that because this guy didn't want to get rid of his van. I understand that some people get really connected to their vehicles, but to say to the tune of, you know, four or five million dollars to say that you're connected to a vehicle and won't sell it. I think he couldn't sell it. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah, because something like that's not easy to sell. That's the thing you got to take to Sotheby's. Like, if you really want to get the money for it, that's a year-long process of prepping that vehicle and selling that vehicle. I got a buddy in Tucson that does nothing but, <laughs> that does nothing but, um, like, I mean, his shop specializes in uh, auction-ready vehicles. Yes. So they restore cars to that level. And that those are long, pro- don't let, you know, fucking grease monkey garage or a tv show convince you otherwise that process takes a really long time Mm -hmm. so if he did want to get rid of it in a hurry also he could double down right like if he here we'll do it right now so you know that sort of process takes a long time now if you were willing to uh get your car stolen you could possibly double down on having the vehicle you know Mm -hmm. you could he would have to be hiding it somewhere but if he's a collector he could be and if he just wants it in his collection he could be but he was I mean, he did drive it around. He liked the vehicle. He liked showing it off. He liked showing it and stuff. And he has all this pop culture stuff that he likes to show off. So it doesn't really track that he would... That he... It doesn't make... I know the most logical... Occam's Razor here tells us that this was theft. Yes. Or that it was theft via uh, insurance fraud. Or I guess the other way around. That it was insurance fraud via Via theft. theft, yeah. But I don't know why he would defraud his insurers like i don't understand what he stands to gain the money he can find he he could sell that he also it's not like it's the only expensive thing he owns yeah he could sell lots of stuff if he needed money his life did not revolve around this car and he was a prolific collector he had a serious affinity for this vehicle and i'm not i have a hard time understanding what he would benefit from getting it stolen. He liked to drive the car around. He liked to show it off. And I don't think $4 million is worth him having to hide it forever. Plus, if he's hiding it, then what? He doesn't get to show it to anybody. He, you know, what about yeah. his kids and stuff? You know, this is it. I just have a hard time believing it wasn't stolen. And there are a lot of people who agree that it was stolen. Uh, the freaking, why can't I? Uh, Art Recovery. Yes. Art Recovery International is a organization that focuses on returning stolen art um, to the original owners. They work alongside like churches and museums and governments and individual people as well to find or uh, gain information on stolen items. You can check out their website. They have a whole thing if you have any information about the largest art heist in yeah. history in Boston. They are looking for those paintings. Um, any artwork that was stolen by Nazis in World War II, they are trying to find those paintings. And they are also trying to find the DB5. Yeah, and that's because they firmly believe it's still here, and it's still somewhere. So the idea, we said all that, because I don't think that it was put in a plane, flown over the ocean, and kicked out the door. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who believed it was dumped, believe it was dumped in the ocean, but they believe that, because that's kind of the... We talked about that with Little Bastard, because... People said that little bastards should just be thrown in the ocean. Yes. Uh, like Megatron 
from Transformers. And I just don't think that's what happened to it. I think the car's worth too much money to do that. There's not a reason to do that. There's, If the car's worth $4 million now, somewhere down the road, doing some funny business, if you still got your hands on it, it's going to still be worth more money. Yeah. You can ransom that car if you have to, if you have it. And again, why would you steal it? What's the motivation for stealing a car? So traditionally, you steal a car, you do it to make a little money, right? You take it to a chop shop. All of this is... Woo, we're about to get super demonetized because I'm going to explain how to do a crime. So when you steal a car, what you want to do with it is you take it either to a chop shop or a local reseller. They'll either take parts from it or they'll take the whole car off your hands. No questions asked. Lots of junkyards do it. Lots of shops do it. It's just how it works. So that being, that's why lots of Honda Civics and F-150s and shit get stolen because what they do is they part them out and those are the most common cars around. So when you bring yours in for a change, there's a chance you have stolen parts on your car. If they're OEM parts anyway. So there's only kind of one logical path when you steal a car now you can steal it to joyride but you're not a criminal and you are not putting a team together to break into this locker okay computer you're not putting a team together to break into uh uh, an airport to joyride yes not what they were doing despite the fact that it might have been the most perfect car to joyride with went 150 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and they had machine guns on it but it wasn't the only high profile car in the hangar no and that's the wild thing is it's not it's it is the only car that was stolen though. yes uh one of the other cars that were in that hangar was a roadster that was owned by amelia Earhart. yeah so it doesn't make any sense that this is the only car that was stolen it doesn't make it like it's it feels very targeted it feels like I think he brokered a deal with somebody mm-hmm. to sell him the car, but did it under the guise of it being stolen and probably got to sell it to him cheaper. He probably had somebody in the Middle East say, I want that car. And he went, well, but it's my car. And he went, I'll give you this much money and I'll bring in a team so you can get it stolen and you can double down on it and you can double dip. That's the only way I could possibly see him advocating this car getting stolen. Yeah. And that even, I feel like, is a little bit of a stretch because he he enjoyed the car and he had the money, so it doesn't make a ton of sense. Now, the guys at, Art, at the Art Recovery Institute do mm-hmm. believe that it's in the Middle East. They have a firm belief that it's there, and why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so they believe that it's in the Middle East, and the case kind of went cold until 2018 where they actually got a tip that it was in the Middle East. Yep. Um, they then, so they have a monetary reward. If someone can help them find the car, they'll give you money. They haven't exactly said how much it is. They just have said it's in six figures. Yep. And they theorize that it's somewhere in the Middle East, uh, just in a showroom. And that's what, uh, Puglisi also believes. He says that someone put a price on his car and it's hidden away somewhere in a private viewing room or a giant estate, and the he believes the motivation for theft was for their own personal titillation? I honestly agree with him. I do. I think the guy's right. I think somebody stole that car to get their rocks off. I think it's it's the James Bond car. There's a fucking Lego set of this car. Yeah. You know? Like, it is the most ubiquitous movie car around. It makes a lot of sense, at the very least, the first. And it makes a lot of sense that, you know, we joke so much about... Uh, like the Saudis using their money to buy the most silly ass shit. Yeah. But like Muammar Gaddafi buying Shergar or paying people to steal Shergar, you know, like this idea that there are stole, stolen artworks, stolen vehicles, stolen things in these 
uh, like palaces has been proven true. We found that out when Saddam's palaces got all broken up. All kinds of supercars and shit were found, yeah. and a lot of them were not paid for, or were not registered, or were stolen. That shit happens. I mean, go to your average police seizure auction. They're going to have all kinds of cars and weird shit that the drug dealers that they get to take all that stuff from mm-hmm. had. So I, I don't think that it's totally unrealistic that somebody put a hit out on his car. Yeah. Uh Chris Marianello, uh, he is the founder and CEO of Art Recovery International. He's, he's the, the boss man around there. He is. Uh, in an interview with uh, what is it? Motor Trends, I yeah. believe it was. Yeah, so Motor Trend has a show called Autobiography, uh, which uh, we actually got inspiration from their first season. And then in their second season, they did an episode on Little Bastard. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm sure it's very good. Those two guys do a really great job. And uh, they did some interviews with some of the people involved mm-hmm. in this uh, and yeah, they did one with Chris, and Chris was pretty candid. Yes, uh, he said that he is ninety percent sure he knows who has it and where they are in the Middle East. And this was in twenty nineteen that they did the interview, and he said he's gonna give them some time to come to him. And he's like, that way, I don't want to embarrass them. I don't think they want to be embarrassed. But he's like, I know who you are. Just come forward. We'll get something figured out. But if you still look at their website, they're still asking for information. Well, yeah, I think I think he has a very good idea of who it is. But I think when you start naming names with some of those guys, like, look at what happened with Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. You start poking the wrong bear, and there are certain protections that you have in parts of the world that you don't have in other parts of the world. And I'm not surprised that the guy who's dedicated to just trying to f- help find this art and restore it to its rightful owners is a little trepidatious about putting his literal neck on the line with the Saudis. Mm-hmm. To be like, oh, well, so-and-so did it. Well, how much longer are you going to last? Because that guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. I understand. I know that that's a little fear-mongery, but I understand his apprehension. Because he all but says it in the interview. You can tell it. Like, I I have a tendency to trust experts because I'm an expert in something. Mm-hmm. So I understand it's not doing podcasts, as you can tell. Um, but, you know, I, I, I know what it takes to dedicate your life to caring about something. And I trust people who do that. And I think this guy has dedicated his life and has convinced and pays a lot of people to work with him to convince their lives that this stuff needs to be returned. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's making any of that up. And I don't think that he takes it lightly, you know? So I think it would make sense that he would be going after somebody who could potentially uh, be a physical threat to his livelihood. You know, I understand that. So it makes sense that they have yet to really say anything about it. They're going to need a government to side with them if they want it back. He's going to have to get the UK government to go get that car. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which means they're going to get the American government to go get that car. The The big thing with them, though, um, the reward is offered to anyone who can provide information that results in the safe return of an undamaged vehicle. Yep. So if it has been parted out yep. or if it's been scratched or dented or anything like that, you won't get your money. But it probably hasn't. Yeah. It likely has not because of the type of car that it is. Parting it out doesn't really make any sense. Plus, it's being tracked by its chassis number. So there are at least a handful of the engine block, the chassis. There's a couple things you can't sell. Because if you did, you would know right away yeah. that that's where it came from. So eh, I wonder if it's been parted out. I don't know, again, to talk about who that would benefit. I mean, <laughs> could you <laughs> imagine having like a vintage DB5 and knowing that it uh, has like 
stolen parts in it because it's the only place you can get them. I mean, I've owned old vehicles old enough that I've had to make internal parts and stuff before. Yeah. You know, sometimes the only place you find them is one guy on a forum still makes them in a shed somewhere. But I just think, like, maintaining that car would be really difficult without people knowing that you had it. Having it in almost any sense would be difficult without people knowing. So it's got to just be sitting under a bubble in a room somewhere. Uh, my godfather, he's got a buddy that collects Shelby Cobras. Mm-hmm. And uh, he keeps a co- he has a couple original ones, like real AC Cobras. And he keeps them under these, um, <laughs> these, like, bu- these plastic bubbles. And I would imagine that this car's probably sitting in one of those. Yeah, yeah. or like in a big old fish tank. Like, not with water or anything, but just a big... <laughs> acrylic box it's in the ocean we're lying about it being in the ocean we're wrong about it well if it was in the ocean it'd just be a big mushy pile of rust at this point uh, yeah well except for the engine because at the time the really cool thing about that engine was it was an all aluminum block mm-hmm. yeah so it'll still be there it'll be all covered in oxidation but it'll still be there uh yeah it's a wild story i mean it's crazy to think what what the circumstances of steel in this car is because where it is is very likely it's in the middle east i think there's a very small chance it's in the ocean anywhere but the fact that it got stolen at all is pretty wild and because like why wouldn't a saudi just buy it i wonder if the person and i keep saying saudi but i just you know what i mean yeah it it could be from dubai (laughs) um i wonder if it was the person who tried to line up a deal with him before and i wonder if he just gave crappy terms and was like fine go steal it yeah uh, it could be when it you comes- can probably pay a crew of people. There's no way stealing it costs four million dollars. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Even if like I don't know, it could cost you a million dollars. You get a crew of four people, you pay them each quarter of a million dollars, or you have whoever's in charge split it up. So you do it like Army of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, where you get them one at a time, and everybody gets significantly less as you go. <laughs> um, and then everyone dies. I think I didn't watch the movie. Spoiler. Batista, you did great. I want to see Batista in more movies. I love I, Batista. Should replace The Rock. I'm tired of seeing The Rock in movies. I, the Rock sucks, man. He's so toxic and shitty, and he's such a dude, bro. Batista's so sick. He's I, so cool. I honestly think The Rock's gonna try to run for president, and that's where we're gonna fully pass into it. People thought 2016, yeah, 2020 you think Trump was, was idiocracy. Bad. Get ready. For, yeah, I know. It will actually have Hector Camacho as president. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But yeah, uh, giving Gatorade to plants and shit because he—it's gonna be sponsored by Under Armour. <laughs> also, Rock, stop making tequila. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. Just stop, stop. You and Kendall Jenner are the same. Knock it off. I know there's zero chance you'll see this, and not that it would matter. But I do know the guy who runs your brand, and I can say that your brand's fucking stupid. Um, this is not like the only weird missing car in. Bond, though, which is a really fun thing. No, there are, yeah, there have been a few cars that have gone missing from Bond. Uh, it's definitely not the only one. It's the most prolific one because it's the most Bond car. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, tell them about some of the other ones that have gone missing. Um, well, the submarine car from yeah. The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, what we were talking about earlier. So the Lotus Esprit, it went missing for quite a while. Uh, and it turns out that it was locked in a storage. It, so who knows? Yeah, that's a really good point. The DB5 might just be sitting in a climate controlled. Uh, it probably isn't even climate control. It's probably just sitting in a storage unit, baking in the sun somewhere, because that's where the Spirit was. The There were seven of those cars. Mm-hmm. And, and the fully operational one that worked underwater, uh, some crew member, they're not exactly sure who, just took it home with them, put it in a storage unit, paid for the unit for 10 years, and then just kind of left it there. Yeah. And uh, some dude bought it Yeah, fucking auction. Storage Wars, some dude from Long Island found it. And he was like, he had no idea what it was. 
bought it for his kids to play on in the backyard. And as he was driving it home, he kept hearing CB radio. Yeah, the dudes being were like, like, "You got a fucking Bond car on your truck." And he was like, "I got a submarine car." And he's like, "I, I didn't never see the movie." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the fact that these high-end cars go missing all the time, and it's not the only like we brought up uh, Tarantino's car earlier, but there have been so many cars that have been stolen over the year. Mm-hmm. Like celebrity cars specifically get stolen a lot, but cars in general. <sighs> are a nuisance for yes. everybody. Like, we like to think that as an average person, oh, my car got broken into, oh, my car got stolen, that fucking sucks. That happens to celebrities, too. They get yeah. cars stolen, and by that proxy, it happens to movies, too. Those, yeah. those vehicles get stolen all the time. If you think someone like, I don't know, Kim Kardashian's G-Wagon. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised there aren't more TikTok kids. I want car theft TikTok. Where's car theft TikTok? Get at it, boys. <laughs> car want- theft TikTok is right between frog TikTok and MILF TikTok. <laughs> I want GTA talk. <laughs> That's what I want. I want to see you stealing cars. I want to see you joyriding. I want to see you be able to drive all these cars, you know? As it, try to drive one of everyone. I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> I think this is like, I don't know, some sort of crime. No, listen, if the president can tell an entire group of, former president can tell an entire group of people to go down to the Capitol and kick the door down, kill the cops, and they don't get in trouble, I can tell some irresponsible kids on TikTok they should go steal a car. While you're at it, rob a GameStop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that actually got robbed. Uh, yeah, go steal some games from GameStop. They're doing fine anyway. AMC, steal a movie. You know, steal a movie. Take take snacks into it. So that's one thing I want to talk <laughs> you about. Wouldn't real quick. Down, you wouldn't just download a Bond car. Um, a big thing when it comes to movie theaters are people like, oh, I sneak snacks into it. And like, I'm really getting one up on them because they charge so much. I just want to make it clear. One, there's nothing posted anywhere that says you can't bring outside snacks in. Yeah. And two, I've had a lot of friends, and including a family member, my sister, shout out to my sister if you're watching, who have worked at movie theaters, and they're like, yeah, there's no rules there's about no that. There's no rules about it. There aren't any. I've never been to a movie theater. I, I'm i not so cavalier. I will just, like, carry it in my hand. Yeah. Because the way I look at it is, like, if I have a bag of peach rings in my hand, and you see it, and I see it, and I buy this ticket, and you let me in, and you didn't tell me not to have them, I, I gave you time. Rings. Yeah, man, I gave you ample fucking time. Oh, I know people who will bring like Chipotle. People into who bring the movie. people who bring crunchy food suck. The only oh, yeah. crunchy food allowed in a movie is popcorn, and that's because it's soft crunchy. The nachos don't count because they just turn into fucking. You know, there's so much cheese. Yeah. Uh, these are my. These are my. <laughs> like, we're here, gonna open a theater cre- on the mothership. <laughs> you guys can beam up and get yelled at for eating crunchy foods. Here's our crimes you can commit that aren't crimes: sneaking food into a movie theater. Stealing a car if it's for TikTok content. Um, I don't know. Killing Meriwether Lewis. Yeah, not a crime. Was not a crime at all. Actually did everybody a favor. I'm uh, so thirsty. And yes, that is the once a podcast reference to Meriwether Lewis. We're going to keep this alive. It's a streak. Uh, having sex with an alien. Yeah. As long as they're of legal consent. Um, I don't know what the age of consent for an alien is, but as long as they fall under it, it's you can have four sex million, with but that's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> that's just how long it took them to get here. Yeah, time time passes differently for them. It's a whole different thing. Travis Walton was he was like, "Damn, you're sexy. Are you of age?" Uh, smuggling drugs into the country as long as you're doing it for two separate government entities and they don't know about each other. Yeah, that is not a crime. Not a crime. Yeah, been. Uh, you can absolutely commit murder if you're killing or you think you're killing a sasquatch that's mm-hmm. entirely allowed uh, yeah. at least in washington we learned that uh you, you can you can't touch a ufo don't touch a ufo can't, we've learned in you. several different <laughs> stories don't touch a ufo if you see one just 
hesitate not to. Something that you wouldn't think is a crime, but actually technically is, is getting abducted by aliens, because then they're going to think that you got murdered in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, poor Travis Wald. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to that story, go listen to it. The guy thought he fucked an alien, but also... Uh, his entire forestry crew got arrested with him because he was in the woods and they thought when he got abducted by aliens that they killed him. And yeah. they were all in jail being like, we didn't kill him. And then he showed up all alien fucked and was like, hey guys, I had a good time. And they were like, thank God we're out of jail now. <laughs> they anyway, said, you go, had a good time. We had a terrible time. My mom thinks I'm a murderer now. <laughs> I gotta go call her, tell her I'm not a murderer, see if she'll let me live with her again. Told you, mom. Um, yeah, but other than that, go check out some of our old podcast episodes. Yes, do. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's a, It gives more uh, reference material to what we talk about, too, because we definitely are guilty of inside jokes. We are. Yeah. Um, go check out the whole docket. Um, once again, once we hit 69 subscribers on We're YouTube. We're very close. We're very close. We're very close. We're going to give away this signed, sealed copy of Rush Hour. Original. You can see, see the that? silver Sharpie right on there. You signed, see sealed, plastic? sealed. That's a sealed copy of Rush Hour. That and was a barn find, too. Just like they found the lo Lotus of Spirit in a garage and then sold it for uh, $900,000. We found this at a swap meet and are going to give it to our 69th subscriber. It's basically the same. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. And we have a fun giveaway after this. Um, let's see some other stuff. We have our hotline. We if do, you yeah. Give have us a, a cool story. story. We've got some funny ones so far. And keep them coming. Because if you... <sighs> specifically... I got one the other day. If you think you're allergic to aliens, let me know. I didn't realize that could be a problem. Are you allergic to aliens? Do you have an? Uh, are you? Are you? Do they give you a rash? Is it just around your butt? One ring to rule them all. <laughs> other than that, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks so much for yeah, stopping in to look yeah. at our pretty faces. Please do like the video. Uh, we have another couple videos coming out, or actually, they've come out at this point, I guess, uh, or are in the process. What am I saying? Anyway, we have some other content too. If you like that, take a look at it. We don't just talk about conspiracy stuff all the time. We like to do dumb shit too. So uh, Caleb and I have done a couple dumb videos, and then we've got some other stuff on there. So if you like those, check those out. Feel free to share the podcast. Uh, I think it's a fun conversation starter. It's a fun thing to share with that family member of yours that thinks that you're a loony uh let them know that you got at least two fellow loonies on your side uh but yeah we hope you like the show we hope that uh you learned a little something about car theft today and you learned a little something about bond let us know in the comments where you think the car is do you think it's in the middle east do you think it's in the ocean are you an idiot do you think aliens have it do you think sasquatch has it fuck call our hotline and tell us where you think it is but whatever you do have a great guy <laughs> but whatever you do have a great day thanks guys uh, and also, to give you the answer for last week's riddle, once again, the riddle was, Susan is a butcher, she is 5'5 five five and wears a size 7 shoe, what does she weigh? She's a butcher, she weighs meat. <laughs> gotcha, she weighs fuckers. meat. If you want another riddle, I'll give you a good one. Uh, I am tall when I'm young and short when I'm old. What am I? Have a good week, you guys. Later, guys. Fart box. We all have pink eye. <laughs> My hair's definitely blown out now, though, which is nice. Thanks for that. Brazilian blowout. Yeah. Brazilian blowjob. <laughs>